Welcome to My Comic Shop History. I'm your host, Anthony Desiato. For this episode, I'm joined by two very special guests. To my left is Matt Casey, a former employee of the store. Matt, thank you for joining us. Thank you for having me. And across from me is Rich Roney. Rich is Alternate Realities owner Steve Odo's best and oldest friend, and a great friend to all of us. He's sort of the elder statesman of our community here. Rich, thank you for taking part in this. Thank you for having me. All right, so let's get right into it. So now, Matt, uh, it's funny to call you Matt because I only ever call you Casey. Do you have a preference? No, everyone I know has been calling me Casey my entire life, so yeah. Fair enough. So, Casey, uh, this is the first time, actually, that you've been in the store uh, in, in years. Yeah, the last time I was in here was when you were shooting your documentary. And uh, I was sitting pretty, pretty much where I'm sitting right now, and it was five years ago. And when you told me that, I didn't believe you at first. But, uh, yeah, it's five years. Yeah, that's crazy. Yeah, so um, so what's kept you away? Uh, work, you know, uh, work and just general life. You know, people kind of flow in and out of the store, you know, uh, every once in a while. I'm sure there are customers here who took a couple of years off and came back in. And, uh, you know, also the distance. I live in South Brooklyn. So it is uh, a trek to get up here. What were your impressions when you stepped foot in the store today for the first time after all that time? Uh, I Honestly, I was amazed by how little has changed in that five years. Uh, I did a lap around the store and I started seeing things that were there when I worked here in the early 2000s. And uh, stuff that I remember pricing out and you know, there's my handwriting on the stuff. And uh, it's in the same exact spot, if not obscured by other boxes of uh, indeterminate origin. It's amazing how little has changed in this place. Yeah, and, and I don't, I don't say that as like a good thing. Um, I do have to echo that there are definitely things um, that have been here for as as long as you know, as far back as as when I started working here, um, which is is kind of scary. Um, now, Rich, you are here on a much more regular basis. I come in probably at least twice a month. Um, <clears throat> As a few people know, I uh, 15 years ago I moved to New Jersey. Uh, it's a healthy drive to get here, so it's a little bit of a haul. It's about an hour and a half drive to get here. But I have been coming here virtually since the store opened. I think it's been over 22 years, and you guys will hear more about this later. I've made great friendships through this store, but uh, it's always been kind of a clubhouse. You know, I've had the I've seen many people, different owners, different workers, um, made friendships with many of them. So. It's been tremendously enjoyable to come here and hang out and just work on projects, talk, uh, talk about what we read, talk about other things we're doing, uh, just from a kind of a, a, a societal level, for friendship level. So, Rich, in the introduction, I described you as the elder statesman of our group. Um, I see you very much as, um, you know, the pre-52 version of the Alan Scott Green Lantern character from the comics. Um, and that pre-52 version, the Justice Society of America was the, you know, the older team, the example that all the younger teams aspire to. And within the Justice Society, you had Alan Scott, and he was that, that elder statesman who sort of guided the group. I mean, I think it's fair to say, and, and Casey, you can weigh in, I mean, I think... You are probably the most beloved member of our group here. Oh, yeah, you're absolutely the, gr the, the glue of the social group because I can tell you from personal experience, you know, we do the, the, the Saturday dinners and, uh, you know, everyone calls in, oh, are we doing dinner tonight? Uh, well, I don't know. Is Rich Roney coming out? Oh, Rich is not coming out. He's uh, staying in Jersey. Okay, yeah, you know what? I'm not coming out tonight. If Rich isn't coming in, I'm not coming in. Uh, I'll see you guys next week. So, yeah, if you're not here, stuff doesn't get done in our social group. Well, it's it's very, very much so. I mean, even, you know, we were talking before the show started, before we sat down to record about, you know, what the title of this episode would be. And one of the potential titles is The Rich Roney Seat, which you want to explain, Matt, what uh, what that refers to? Uh, the Rich Roney Seat is the seat uh, directly next to Rich when we all go out to dinner. And uh, it's considered a great honor to sit next to Rich. And, wow. uh, you know, basically blood has been spilled, curses have been unhurled. In in, uh, in the furtherance of getting that seat. You guys are being far too generous. Um, no, far too generous. I am the elder statesman, I think, just by virtue of sheer age. 
but um, I'm the one that's lucked out. I've just made so many great friendships through this thing. So I, I, I'm really honored by that. Well, the feeling's mutual. I mean, I remember the first time you and I met, Rich. Um, I was working here during high school. Um, I think I was a sophomore at the time, so I was I rem- probably about 15. I remember it vividly. I'm a huge Green Lantern, Hal Jordan fan. Really, really fervent on that level. And there was uh, one, I guess, miniseries, uh, JLA uh, Spectre War, or JLA Soul War, and it had Hal Jordan as the Spectre in it. And I was really excited about this. And I remember at that time, Anthony, you were... In high school, you were an employee, and the store would give Anthony's pick of the week. I remember that one of the first times we spoke, uh, I picked up this JLA Soul War thing, and you kind of shook your head and go, oh, geez, I, I, I really wouldn't read that. I don't think it's that good. Uh, so I flipped through it and for, quickly realized that you hit the mark. So that's one book I did not buy, even though it had heroes and characters I enjoyed, and I wanted it to be fantastic. But you gave me good uh, good feedback, and it saved me from just a dud of a read. I mean, in many ways, then, I think we owe our friendship to the fourthrail.com, a now-defunct comic book review site. Um, that's what I was basing it on. I mean, the comic came out that day. I hadn't read it yet, um, but I had read the review uh, previously, and I think they gave it a 1 out of 10. Uh, and so, I, you know, I conveyed that to you. But the thing about our first interaction and, and all of our interactions since, that, that always stood out to me, and I, I think, you know, Matt, you, you and, and probably anyone else we talked to can attest to this. Um, you know, here I was, a, a kid. You know, you, you were, uh, you know, <laughs> a fully formed adult. You've been reading comic books for years. You've been coming to the store for years. Yet you treated me as a peer, and you valued my opinion, and you, you know, engaged with me, again, the way you would a peer. And, um... That always, you know, really made an impression and gave me a lot more confidence as, as I was starting to interact with, with more people from the store. So, I mean, I, you know, I thank you for that very much. I, listen, I have to recipro- reciprocate that uh, both to the two of you and a number of other people we, we all know as friends, we hang out with, we go to these dinners, and, you know, we'll go to conventions, we'll travel together, things like that. Um, you know, if before I, I tell this one thing, I do want to say... If I could only speak for 30 seconds about my involvement with the store and what I've learned over the past 20-plus years, far and away, I've been lucky enough to make wonderful and lasting friendships. But about what you just said earlier about how we spoke about this, uh, the review you had read and what you had heard, one thing that's been fantastic is every one of you has introduced me to new stuff, stuff I never would have read or never would have thought about or never would have pursued. Because I'm, I'm really, really kind of, you know, stay within the lines. I don't do Elseworlds or, you know, my reading is very standard. Well, well let me ask you something. Uh, do you actually remember the first time you met me? Because I actually remember the very first day I met you, and you scared the shit out of me the first time I met you. Then I don't. <laughs> I, I, yeah, I remember it vividly. I started working here when I was like 16 years old. And I started working during the summer. We had just either bought a collection or we were selling a collection. Or maybe we were moving stuff uh, into a van to take it to a show somewhere. But I walked into the store and it was a hot day. And uh, you were busy just running long boxes from the back into a, a van that was in the back. And you were like, you know, flushed red sweaty, wild eyes, and you came up to me, like, sauntering over me with his hand out, like, Hi, I'm Rich Roney. I'm like, get the hell away from me, you old creep. And, and then he proceeded to crush your hand. Yes, yes. Oh, God. Yeah, I don't know what you're doing, but it, it hurts. It, well, it hurts. Poor Shane Davis had the same view, because I, I, I bumped into him in a deli uh, not far from where I live in New Jersey, and uh, he was there with his wife, and I saw him, and I jumped out of my chair. I ran over and go, you're Shane Davis. And this poor guy, he banged his head against the window trying to get out of the place. So um, maybe I need to temper my uh, my ability to introduce myself to people. Yes, your enthusiasm needs to come down a little bit. <laughs> yeah, you have a very enthusiastic handshake. You know, there are there are many Three. hallmarks of, yeah. of a friendship with Rich Roney. I think two of them, though, that, that <laughs> listeners might find amusing are the uh, the voicemails that you leave. And, uh, and the handshake. I mean, so let's take the handshake first. It is a firm, almost crushing grip. Yes? It, Would you it, agree? It, it's, a, it's a firm three-second grip. It's a man's handshake. It's, it's three seconds, how do you do, move on. You got politicians' handshakes. Sure. What I found, though, I think, I mean, the hand itself, he's got, he's got a mitt. 
I mean, oh, yeah. it, it's a it's a large hand. It's a strong grip. But what I think adds to it is the step forward that he takes. There's momentum behind it. I, I would I would go to above and call it a lunge. Maybe you the, you lunge forward with your hands. Yeah, I mean, <laughs> is the handshake? I mean, it's it's it must be something that you're mindful of, something that was instilled in you when you were younger. Yes. I truly don't think so. I mean. <laughs> Right now, my mind is racing thinking about how all the uh, the business interactions I've probably ruined in years past by this this behavior by, by shattering bones. <laughs> no, but I think I think I keep alternating between calling you Matt and Casey. But uh, I think right. I think Casey hit the nail on the head. I mean, it, it's a man's handshake. It you know it sort of it it sets a tone and it and it you know conveys you know power. Now well, you know the funny thing is I you know I haven't actually seen you in several years. So I got the first Rich Roney handshake in several years today. And during, I was like, oh, God, I, I forgot how bad this is. You have to be prepared for it. Yeah. Oh, I wasn't prepared. Yeah. I completely forgot. He got me good. Let me try to say this as factually as possible without getting maudlin. But a number of years ago, seven years ago, uh, my father passed away. And a number of people from the store came to, uh, to the mass, uh, uh, his funeral mass. And... Uh, Steve, Steve Odo, the owner of the store that I've known since high school, and Bill Mayo, who's a common friend to all three of us, Bill Mayo, drove to uh, New Jersey where my parents had lived and where the mass was being held. And Bill had driven up from Baltimore just to come to this funeral. And that night I called Bill to thank him. And um, I remember when I, when I called him to thank him, I was kind of laughing and just, I said, my God, Bill, you'll never guess what Steve uh, told me. And Bill just started giggling, and he goes, I know what he said. He said, you got the weakest handshake of all the Roney brothers. And I go, how did you know that? How did you know that? And uh, he goes, that's all Steve spoke about for the hour and a half drive home. I mean, in addition to the handshake, uh, there's also the voicemail. Now, anyone who has had the privilege, the honor of receiving a, a phone call, a voicemail, from you, has likely heard something along the lines of this, and I hope you know that this impression is Go done is done only is it. done only with 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 love and admiration. Hey, 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 Anthony, hey, this is Rich Roney. It's twelve o'clock on Sunday. So those are sort of the three. I think the three you know pillars of a Rich Roney voicemail. It's the thorough greeting, um, the announcement of your, of your full name, and then also you give the time, which is really funny because I do that now too. And people, you know, younger people have said to me, like, why are you doing that? Like, we, you know, on the phone, it says the time. But I think that's just training from, from talking to you. I always, I always say the day and the time. Um, I mean, I'm sure, Matt, you've gotten uh, you've gotten messages Oh, like yeah, that. no, yeah, same thing. And uh, the, the declaration of, yeah, I am calling you for this <laughs> specific reason. And I hope to hear from you in person. And if I don't hear from you, then God bless and I will see you later. That is... He never puts any pressure on you. Yes. Ever. That's greatly appreciated. There's never any expectation or burden. Ever. No, thank you. <laughs> <laughs> hey, none of this was scripted before, so I'm, I'm kind of surprised where this conversation <laughs> This wasn't in the email you sent me. Ah, uh, yes. Well, Matt, I want to toss it over to you. Um, yes. You know, obviously you worked here for a long time. Um you know, this is probably a larger question, but I mean, generally speaking, what was the experience like working here? Was it a, was it a good job to have as a as a high schooler? As a, you know, what as a high schooler, yes, it was a great job. You're you're in a comic book store. You're hanging out with your friends. You know, uh, you're you're doing something you care about. As a high schooler, this is a great job. A uh, little bit older, I got a little bit, you know. As more responsibility was probably pushed on to people that probably shouldn't have been pushed onto, and all that, you know, it, this place became not as fun. And it's like it's like anything else; it's a job, you know. If you don't treat it with respect, it's you know, it's it's going to be terrible. So, I mean, I have to give you a lot of credit, uh, and if I haven't thanked you before, uh, let me take the opportunity to do so now. You know, you mentioned before the last time you were here was to be filmed for for the documentary that I made. You were always someone uh, who who people people spoke about. Um, I think that having your perspective in the film was really critical. I you know I didn't want 
the movie to just be a commercial for alternate realities and everybody saying, oh boy, it's great and Steve's really nice and I like it here. And having your perspective as someone who, you know, is willing to, to voice, a, you know, a, an opinion counter to what a lot of the other people were saying, um, I think, you know, in large, in a, in a big part made, made the movie what it was. So, I mean, I, I thank you for bringing that perspective and not being afraid to, you know, to kind of voice those opinions. Well, you know, thank you for that. But I think the, the one worry that I had afterwards was people went the other direction with it where they were just, oh, this guy hates Steve. It's like, well, I don't. I, ge- I do genuinely like Steve. I think he's a good guy, you know, but like any other person, he has flaws. I have flaws. You know, everyone does. So I didn't want to sit here and just, you know, say, oh, the, the store was perfect and everything's wonderful and we all hold hands and run in the meadow, you know, from time to time. It, you know, it's not like that. It's like any other business. There, there are good times. There are bad times. And, you know, but I, I didn't like, yeah, I mean, it wasn't your fault or anything like that, but it was like, I didn't like the reputation of, oh, this is just the guy, he's the bitter ex-employee, and he, you know, he hates the Steve, and he hates the store. I was like, well, that's not true at all. Like, I loved my time here. There are certain parts of the times that I didn't like. There are certain things that happened that I didn't like, but, you know, that's, I'd say, that's any job you go to, so. Right. And I think, I mean, there were positives that, that you expressed, the things that you learned here and how, oh, yeah. how it prepared you. Oh, yeah, absolutely. And, you know, working with people that you may have disagreements with, especially when they're your superiors is a job skill that you need no matter what you do in life. So I'm glad I learned it here. Now, one thing that I'll ask you since I have you here and we have the opportunity, this is a failing of mine. Some people weren't exactly clear on where your negative feelings were coming from. I felt it was clear in that um, there's one moment, especially where you talk about Steve's, you know, how he would always try to avoid confrontation. And that seemed to be the crux of a lot of it. But maybe there was more to it. Maybe there wasn't. I don't know. But I mean, as you just said, it's not like you hate the guy. There are positive feelings. But for that negative aspect, um, was there more of a reason that we didn't really get into that time? No, I mean, it was more just there there are certain times where people in the store and, and Steve as well would just say, you know, I'm the victim here and and this is what these are the lists of people that have wronged me and their transgressions. And it's like, well, that's, that's obviously that's one side of the story, but it's not the entire story. And I'm in a position now where it's like, well, I don't work for the store and I'm not a customer here. So there's really nothing stopping me from just voicing what I believe is my opinion is my story. You know, is my side, the 100% end all be all truth. No, it's one side of the story. Just like he has a side of the story and someone else had an opinion. So, you know, but I, I I didn't agree with how the store is managed insofar as the crushing wreck of, of the store that this place is. Even looking around it now, I, I'm looking uh, over your over your shoulder. There's a showcase full of sealed boxes. God only knows what's in those boxes. Could be bundles of cash for all we know, but you know th- this is the kind of thing I'm talking about. Where is, is that is that a good business decision when you're trying to sell stuff and you know, stuff like that? So, I mean, along similar lines, because I know you know I know you listened to the first episode of this where I spoke with Steve, and one of the things we we spoke about were some of the negative reactions to his closing announcement. You know, people said that the store looked like a yard sale, and Steve responded to that in the episode, and he you know, took the opposite position. He, you know, he likes the way the store looks. Well, he likes that aspect. Well, here's, here's my problem. I, I did listen to the first episode and you, you, by the way, you're doing a wonderful job with these. Oh, um, here, here, here is my reaction to that. One of the reasons people go to yard sales is so they can find like hidden gems. And what makes it great is I go to a yard sale and I find, let's say just for sake of argument, Avengers number one, and I buy it for $5. That's an amazing deal. He could have an Avengers 1 in here right now and not know about it, but I go through the store and I find it as a customer and I bring it to his attention. He'll go, wow, what a great find. And then he'll grade it and then he'll check the price and he'll charge you 10 grand for it. So where is the yard sale aspect? You know, it's it's either a business or it's not. If you're going to run it like a business, present it like a business. I mean, there's there's a wall of boxes over there uh, covering the entrance to this store. That's just wrong from a safety perspective. Guy walks in here with a shotgun, you're not going to know until he's right on top of you. 
you know, stuff like that. But if you're going to treat it like a business, you have to present it like a business. If you want it to be a yard sale, let it be a yard sale. But don't be angry when you're losing money and it, no one else looks at it like a business. Yeah, I want to take a minute to just to kind of uh, to talk about Steve's closing announcement um, because I think it's something we probably all had a you know a, a reaction to. Um, now, Matt, specifically for you, someone who who's not here on a regular basis, uh, did you have any idea that 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 this was even happening prior to seeing the announcement? No, no. I think I saw the, the first hint of that guy was you posted something on your Facebook page. Okay. Talking about the stores closing and and, and I'm I, doing a podcast. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> apparently, yeah. <laughs> And uh, and once I heard that, then I started looking up the the Facebook page for a store. That's when I saw the now famous scathing uh, a letter that Steve uh, posted publicly. So, what was your reaction when you when you saw that? You know, I I, I didn't want to do the knee jerk like, oh, he's such an asshole. This is kind of bullshit because he's being what he felt he was being genuine. That being said, I think it's disingenuous at best to claim that the store is going under solely because a couple of people didn't pick up their comic books or pick up a statue or pick up like hey you know what you go to amazon and they'll give you 25 percent off everything that you're selling in your store it's hard to compete with amazon they they've put a hundred thousand other businesses out of business it's tough to compete with the giant killer so you know when you have that situation on top of the fact that this place looks like a rat nest on top of the fact that, you know, there are other problems here. It's like, well, yeah, it's going to lose, the place is going to lose money. And to lay it at the feet of, you know, number 285 or whoever, and he didn't pick up his books. And I think it's a little disingenuous. It's shifting blame when you can fix a lot of the problems that you're talking about. One of the points I loved in your first podcast with Steve, it was, uh, you know, you said, well, you know, your sheet says that they have three weeks, so why aren't you doing what your sheet says? And I didn't hear much of an answer from, well, you know, it's... It's the fine print. It's the fine print. Well, you're a lawyer. Isn't fine print what you do? (laughs) Like, and this is your business, so the fine print's important for the bottom line. Yeah, I mean, I, I think, you know, a frustration that I had when I was talking to him, and I mean, I I guess I, I pushed it as far as I felt I could, and I didn't think I was going to get a different response, but specifically with respect to the deposits, and I said, you know, why why don't you just take a deposit? If, this, if, such an, if it's such an issue that people are ordering something and they're not buying it, just require a deposit. And his answer was, well, you know, people should be good for their word. And it's like, okay, well, that's well and good, but they're not. And so if the, if the options are take a deposit and maybe piss off a few people or go out of business wouldn't you take the deposit i I, it was it was kind of frustrating yeah and and the way that that was danced around was well you know i want to take people at their word and it's like well okay that's nice but are you running a business or not and it also runs so counter to his feelings about people well it was what he what he says his feelings are about people well, well and then the other thing was well what if the the item is now delayed and i'm holding on to the deposit well then you hold on to the deposit what's the problem <laughs> you put it in an envelope you throw it in your safe when the thing comes in if it doesn't come in you give the guy's money back i i don't see like a uh, there's no trap here yeah I mean, I, you know, my, you know, Rich, I'm going to toss it to you in a second because I'd love to get your take on, you know, on that announcement and, and the news of all of this. But I don't know. Sort of my take is I, I feel like he just doesn't want to do this anymore. And that's fine. That's perfectly acceptable. And if he said that, it's it's OK. I mean, I don't think anyone would begrudge him that if he says, listen, I've been doing this 23 years. I don't really like comics anymore. I don't want to do that. He, he has the right to retire and, yeah. sp- and spend time with his his wife and. And travel the world. He has that right. He has that absolute right. So if he just said, ah, I don't want to do this anymore. I want to retire. That's fine. But then to lay it at the feet of your customers, eh, that was kind of a shitty thing to do. And I feel like, you know, again, I know, you know, you weren't here that, you know, that first Saturday after the announcement, you know, we were all here. And I mean, I think, you know, I don't want to speak for everyone else, but the sense that I got, I mean, like people felt bad that that was the, the tone that was being set and that that's the note that he's going out on. You know, because for all of us who, you know, the store does mean so much to us for many reasons that we've talked about and we'll continue to talk about. Um, you know, it, it definitely, not like a slap in the face because it wasn't directed at us, but it's still sort of 
I think kind of took away from from a lot of of what what we feel toward the store. You, you you could have gone out on such a high note, and people would have loved you and respected you. And now the fact that we're having this conversation to begin with, it's like this whole could have been avoided. It real it really could have. And I don't think it's it. And I don't think that's the way he wants to be seen by other people. Because I don't think anyone wants to be seen like that. Right. But you know, it's it's again. This is. This is the this is what the situation is because you made it. So please don't try to play the victim later on. Like this is entirely your situation. So Rich, I would love to get your your take on um, on that announcement, on that that post that Steve put out there um, when when he announced the store was closing. What were I know you didn't see it on Facebook. You were you're not you know on social media, but I know we sent it to you and you had an opportunity to look at it. So what were what was your take on it? Rightly or wrongly, and I think anyone could question uh, his approach. But I think he's just phenomenally tired. He's physically worn out. I think he's tired. I think he wants to get out of it. Um, I don't know if I would have been that pointed in the letter calling out people. Well, you definitely would not have been. <laughs> um, World's but, nicest man. No, God, but, no, you but, wouldn't have done that. But, you know, is it, is it the thing to do? And, okay, so a few customers screwed him over. But as, as you pointed out, as a number of other people pointed out, he had the opportunity to ask for a deposit. And some of the stuff where he did not, you know, if someone changed their mind and didn't want it, some of those things are not so unique that you can't sell them to someone else. I think many of us would never have gone out with that tone, going singling out people. But I think this does get back to what you filmed and you excerpted from my, in the documentary, what I said five years ago. I used the phrase, uh, just kind of casually in conversation, uh, the phrase gunny sack. I use it as a noun, but I've, I've, I've since learned it can also be a verb, the word gunny sack. And I've known Steve since uh, I was 15 years old. Steve has really strong feelings about everything. There's no middle ground with him. It's either black or white. There's no, no middle. It's binary. But he can like you, but if he feels you've betrayed him or you've slighted him or you've insulted him, in, my, in the documentary I said, he's going to remember that. He's going to place it in the gunny sack. And he's going to remember it forever. Um, and I think that manifested itself in the in the Facebook posting. He put certain things hurt him, and he included it in the uh, the announcement regarding the shutdown. I mean, you you occupy a unique position within our group. You've known Steve by far the longest. You you two went to high school together. So if you wouldn't mind, because I think this is a story that's that's worth telling and, and folks might find amusing. Um, what was what was your first meeting uh, with Steve Odo? If I can put it in a little bit of context, and, and uh, for those of you who are listening, we're all smiling amongst ourselves because uh, this is a little bit of a funny story. The context for this thing is um, I met Steve when I was 15. Um, we met September. Uh, we both started sophomore year at White Plains High School. But prior to that, uh, that summer, uh, we moved, my family moved from Chicago, uh, from a suburb of Chicago to White Plains. So I had the whole summer waiting to go into sophomore year at a brand new school. I moved from a very, very, very small village uh, to White Plains, which was a lot bigger, uh, both uh, in terms of everything going on, population, uh, pace, um, Neighborhoods were different, uh, a lot more people, activity, etc. So I was anxious and nervous the whole way through. So the very first class at White Plains High School, I go in. I happen by dumb luck to sit next to Steve. And this story has been, has been repeated countless times. But I sit down next to Steve, and um, I introduce myself. And I go, hi, I'm Rich Roney. And his first words to me are, you don't smoke, do you? Now, most people would have reciprocated with their name and said hello. Um, many of us have always said I should have answered the question. But Steve is not most people. So. <laughs> when he said, I said no. And apparently I passed muster. In retrospect, I should have said, do you have a light? <laughs> and just imagine we wouldn't be having this conversation right now if you hit, That's if very you, true. If you wanted to be a jerk. Absolutely, absolutely true. That's the thing. For as much as we joke. You would be in the gunny sack right now. That's right. Yeah, I mean, for as much as we joke, and it has become a running gag that, uh, oh, Rich should have just said yes that first time. But it's true. We, we likely would not have been here. When we were in high school, he was a lot more optimistic and more, more extrovert, more, more engaged with society and things like that. 
I do think in some ways the story has worn him down, and um, he's become a bit of a curmudgeon. But he was much more optimistic, much more uh, upbeat. That's my memory of him in high school. What sorts of uh, shenanigans would you two get up to? Like, what would you guys do when you would hang out? I mean, would you go to, to comic book shows, comic book stores, movies? What, what did you guys used to do? We were friends in high school. We had mutual friends. But, uh, you know, really five months after, after I started high school, I got a job, a part-time job in a supermarket. And we didn't hang out that much. I mean, Steve was uh, really into music. He, he was part of the, mu- you know, the music of the band and all those things. I had my job. We had mutual friends. We had common classes together. We really didn't hang out all that much. Uh, I just think over time our, our friendship sustained itself. Um, we had comic books as a common interest. And, uh, and candidly, uh, we went our different ways. Uh, I was always scared. There were certain girls he thought I should be going out with. And I was afraid he was going to set things up or send communications to them. And I wouldn't know about it. And then all of a sudden I'd find like, hey, thanks for the roses. Um, Doesn't he like still try to set you up on dates every once in a while? Uh, no, I think he's finally picked up on the fact that I've tuned him out. Well, while while Rich um, doesn't have a Facebook profile and doesn't participate on social media. That I know of. <laughs> Yeah, well, as far as I know, I don't think Steve's created uh, created anything for you, thankfully. But uh, Steve is very active, and he does keep in touch with many of those um, those high school friends. Um, and he he does give Rich Roney updates on um, you know on, on what's going on. Who's wait, wait, wait. who's, does he, does who's he divorced? Give, <laughs> does he give me updates, or did, does he give others updates on me? That's I think it's probably both, great. my friend. Thanks, thanks so much. <laughs> I know. We, I mean, we know he tries to get you to go to the reunions. Yes, and... Uh, oh God, is he still doing that? Yes, still he's, oh my yes God. he is. Yes, sadly, yes. But uh, your feeling is you didn't talk to them then, you're not going to talk to them now. That's precisely it. That's fair. That's precisely it. I mean, it's not like I didn't like him. It's just that to go back now after 40 years and go, hey, what's going on? You know, it's I've always joked that... Uh, well, maybe it's not even so much of a joke, but I've always said if I had a if I could time travel... I'd love to go back and hang out with Rich and Steve as as contemporaries. I feel like that would that would be interesting. Um, that sounds like the worst buddy cop movie I've ever <laughs> seen in my life. <laughs> Just two guys arguing about Final Crisis for, for twenty years. Probably my sophomore year, my junior year of college, I went to Fordham. Steve went to Yale. I went up to Yale uh, and spent a few days during Easter break or spring break with Steve. Now, I don't know what her name was, but there was some girl that Steve just was passionately, he, he was romantically, she was the one. Until she broke up with him while we were up there. And I had been meeting a number of the guys that Steve went to school with, and boy, I hit it off with these guys. You know, all of us were having a great time. And at that time, this was pre-cable. On W on, on CBS television, like at eleven thirty, they were going to show the movie Kelly's Heroes. So one one of the guys goes, you know, there was about six of us. Hey, let's get a couple of pizzas and a, and, and a case of beer, and let's watch Kelly's Heroes. And you know, when you're in college, you know, that's a party. But it's a party, uh, yeah. And you you'll stay up till three four in the morning watching TV. So uh, I'm having fun. I'm eating. We're all hitting it off. The movie's just about to come on. Prior to this. This girl broke up with Steve. You know, we're not going out anymore. It de- devastated him. Steve decided to go a few rooms away or down into the basement of the dormitory. And he figured he would be so enraged, he could, like, bench press 450 pounds because he'd have so much adrenaline going through him. He learned he couldn't do that. Yeah, because that's not how science works, unfortunately. <laughs> well, he really felt he'd be like the Hulk. And had this berserker rage. And he was really came back and he was kind of misty and just just a freaking mess. Needless to say, I sat up with him till about four thirty in the morning just letting him talk. I didn't get to see the freaking movie at all. Um but I I was terrified this guy would kinda of like try to clean and jerk four hundred and fifty pounds. The weight would fall, break his windpipe, and he'd be like laying in some basement somewhere. We would But now yeah. you had to actually talk him down from doing that right you have to talk him out of it 
No, he tried to do it, and he realized he couldn't do it, and he was going to go mm. back. And I realized that might not be a good idea. So I I hung out, and I let him talk it out of his system. Oh, see, I always thought it was like you went into the gym, and he was he was about to try it, and you you had to uh, you had to actually stop him. No, he that's a better version. Let's go with that. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, uh, Rich Roney, you're a hero. You, you even, are here. You don't even now, know it. Now the other the funny thing is, Steve remembered this, and it shows how. How, you know, the gunny sack works both ways, the memory. Uh, 35 years later, he and Ann, his wife, were at some blockbuster thing going out of business, and he bought it for me, the movie. So about six months ago, I finally got to see it. And you know what? It's not that good a movie. <laughs> <laughs> but at 2 o'clock with 10 beers in you, it's a great movie. Yeah. If, if Rich had been in the gym with Steve at, in the moment and he had to talk Steve out of it, how do you think Rich would have done it? Uh, Steve, uh, ooh, uh, you know, I don't think this is Maybe. the proper thing to. <laughs> ooh, uh, you know, I'm trying. Uh, Steve, options. Steve, I love you. Steve, you're great, but I don't know. I don't know. I don't know. I don't know. Maybe, but you know, let's 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 not back into let, it let, too let's, fast. Let's table this for now, right? And, uh, and we'll come back to it. You know, <laughs> ever the diplomat, Rich. So now, after that, and, and, and moving forward, I mean, you, you continue to cultivate your friendship with Steve. You've developed these friendships with, with all of us. Um, you know, Casey, there's actually something that you said in the documentary that um, I think it was, was very powerful. Always stayed with me. I always, always go back to it. You said, you know, one of, my, one of my best friends is Rich Roney, and he's old enough to be my father. It sort of changes, you know, your perception of what, you know, what a friend, you know, could or, or should be. Um, so I thought, and I know, Rich, this is something that you wanted to touch on, sort of the, the generational aspect of, of the friendships at the store. I've been coming into the store probably six months after Steve opened it. I've met the two of you. I've met probably five or six or seven other guys that I really consider close friends. And if you could, if you said to me, hey, you've only got 30 seconds to talk about what's the most important thing you've learned from this story is, and I repeat this, the wonderful and lasting friendships I've had, um... And there clearly is the generational aspect. I mean, each of you guys could be my son. Sean could be my son. Matt has joked about that when he first introduced me to Sean. He goes, yeah. "Hey, you're going to come meet the son. You're not, you know, you didn't know you had." <laughs> well, well, I think the funny part is, uh, you know, now that I'm I'm living in South Brooklyn, um, I recently got engaged. I'm going to be married next year. You know, life kind of took me in a different direction, so I haven't been here in five years since the, the you shot your documentary, Anthony. But soon as you walked in, you know, it was like no time had passed. Hey, how you doing? Hey, all right, what's going on? Oh, you read this? You read this? Uh, what's, it's like Echo no that. yeah, no time had passed. I haven't seen you in five years. No time had passed. It was, I, yeah. I totally echo that. Each of you has uh, ignited or pulled me into things that interested you, and that's extended my breadth of interest. Well, that, that's what like uh, being uh, that's what good friendship should do. Yeah, you, know, you introduce you to new stuff. You know, that's yeah part of being a good friend. And and it and it's absolutely worked on that level. I mean, like Anthony, uh, all the stuff about your documentary, uh, some of the the uh, viewings, the showings, like the Buffalo, and I, I had the good fortune to go with you up to Buffalo Niagara Film Festival, and that gave me just seeing it from what you were going through was an entirely different perspective. Yeah, it was. Uh, I mean, it was a blast to have you along for the ride for that, and it was a long ride. <laughs> but I have to say, I mean, for those six hours that we were in the car, I mean, no joke. There, I don't think there was any lull in in conversation. Um, you know, and and that's you know again a testament to to the friendship. I've I've just had just fantastic um, new opportunities to learn things by virtue of the things that interested you guys. So thank you for that. You met us when we were younger. Now you know. Like Bill Mayo, you you know he's about the same age as me, you know. You became good friends with him. He's now married, father, you know. So you you get to see us at different stages in our life, as as opposed to like someone like Steve, where you you already grew up with him, and you know he got he got married recently. God bless him, and uh, you know you you've already had that sort of life experiences with Steve. Now you seen it with the, the younger guys. Yeah, and sometimes, in fact, people would think that some of these guys were were your kids, right? Well, Matt Matt is one of them. Matt and I would go across the street on occasion to Gennaro's and get a couple of slices of pizza. Well, what was so weird was after Matt moved to Brooklyn, I went in there, and one of the owners goes, hey, 
where's your son? You don't come in here with your son anymore? <laughs> well, it's fun. You know, you mentioned the pizza lunch. I mean, that's um, sort of another part of the, the Saturday routine. I mean, there's the large gathering that goes out to dinner, but then there's usually a smaller group who, who you unnecessarily treat to lunch every single time. Uh, and we're hoping that once the store closes, we can, you know, maybe put an end to that and actually have you let us buy you pizza for once. Let's not go crazy. Yeah, try, trying to pay for a meal around this guy is just uh, damn near impossible. Uh, and I know, you know, you've touched on a couple of times, and I know you want to talk about it, the, the different eras of the store. But before we get to that specifically, uh, you mentioned a couple seconds ago um, that your first time to the, the first time you came to the store it had already been open for, what was it, about six months or so? Yes. So uh, why, why, how come you weren't, you weren't in sooner than that? Um, when the store first opened, uh, Steve... Kevin and Gene, as a trio, were the owners, and they opened it up. I was I was on about a nine-month assignment in Orange, California. When you're 33 years old and you're on the company expense account, you know, half an hour south of Los Angeles, I wasn't coming back here for hell or high water, man, you know? See, that's the story I want to hear about. Young Rich Veroni with a company credit card in Los Angeles. That, the hell with the, them in college hanging out. That's, that's, <laughs> that's what I see in my time machine. I really loved my time out there. I mean, <laughs> I, racking skulls and taking names. Uh, I mean, I guess this is the, the point, just, just for our listeners out there. Um, you know, we won't get into too much detail, but I mean, Rich, Rich you are known for your the mystery that, that surrounds you. We really don't know that much about you. For as much time as we've spent with you, as many phone calls, as many dinners... Um, we really don't know much much about you, and I, I know this is something I, you no, cultivate. I want to help you out. I want to make this easy. So for the first six months when Steve was open, I was still in California. And I'm going to totally dodge what you just tried to tee up as a conversation. Nice dodge. <laughs> so I returned from California. Uh, my parents had told me that the store is open. For me, over the past 20-plus years, there's been two fantastic times, and each of you were part of different different eras in that time. There was the one era from, say, the, the uh, 1996 to the early 2000s, when it was Bill and Drew and Brandon and, uh, and Matt, and uh, pretty much that was it. Uh, later on, the second generation was really uh, Anthony and Tom and Sean. But I can remember there were times in that first era... When I would come in here at 11.30 or 12.30 or 1 o'clock on a Saturday and stay till 9 o'clock at night, um, and there was always something going on. There was a lot of excitement, a lot of fun, a lot of humor, a lot of just camaraderie. That replicated itself when Anthony, when you and uh, Sean and Tom were running the things. Those, to me, were the best times. Anthony, it replicated itself at that point in time when it was really the trio, you, Tom, and Sean. You kind of regalvanized it. That was a different generation. I have to say, Anthony, the worst time was at the end of your tour of duty, because I had this. I had this tradition. I had this tradition of coming in <laughs> every Wednesday between Christmas and New Year's. I made it a point to come in and work the order, unload, be here every minute. It was just therapeutic for me. You mean work on the deck of the uh, crab ship, uh, basically? Not to cut you off, but. Just as an example of, of what that entails, and this is not to diminish your contributions at all because they were they were highly valued, but there was one instance in particular, Captain America Reborn number one came out. And we ordered maybe two hundred copies. It was it was it was a heavy order. And uh, we were breaking down the shipment and <laughs> Rich Rich took all of the Captain America Reborn copies and he went sort of by by the end of the back issue bins and spent I mean, I'm really, I don't think I'm exaggerating. I mean, 45 minutes to an hour going through all of the copies, counting them, checking for damages. I mean, he was he was so meticulous with it. And then when it came time to actually reading the book, I think you spent maybe 30 seconds flipping through it and you said, It's a piece of crap. <laughs> Talk about having your expectations set hugely high and then being diminished. Uh, but yes, I mean, to speak of those times when you would come in... Um, I know the year that you're <laughs> you're referring to in particular. Can I can I yeah, jump please. in? White collar was one of the popular USA cable shows, and you did your white collar sale. Yes, we dressed up in uh, fedoras and ties, and we and we had a themed sale. Now I, re I actually remember seeing the photos for that. 
goofy as fuck. <laughs> yeah, I was going to ask what your take on it was. Oh, I'm not surprised. <laughs> God, dude, come on. But, if you were still working here and we were like, hey, Matt, we're going to do this, we're going to do this thing, what would your reaction be? Get the fuck away from me. What is wrong with you? Leave me alone. I mean, what? I will say, I, uh, Sean participated, but barely. I think his... He was nicer about it than you would have been. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> he I, was, yeah, well. But he was similar. I think his reaction was sort of like, well, like, what is with you guys? And so he, I think he like he put on a sweater. Like he wasn't really into it. He was like half half participating. And, that, you, and you don't half-ass anything, as, as I've learned uh, with you. So. No, you got to go. You got to go all in, man. But that's how you guys roll. That's how we roll, yeah. But, we did it again with the burn notice. We really liked our USA shows. Yeah. So well, we did a, a burn notice version well, as well. And just indulge me. I, I was going to, best of times, the worst of times. So the first year, these three guys freaking knock it out of the park. I mean, they have just grand slam. Uh, for some reason, there was no other sales that week. No, There was no shipments. It was an obscure week. Yeah, typically, I mean, especially in recent years, the publishers tend to not put out many, if any, books uh, during that period. So that, that week in between Christmas and New Year's, I think each, each DC and Marvel each put out one one big book, but that was it. That was it. Um, guys... So we still had some people coming in, um, but it was mainly, you know, the, the, the back stock that we were trying to sell. And you sold, I think, in twelve or $13,000 between the holidays, even right. with the holidays. So I was so excited by what this guy, these guys did. The following year, I came into this store, and I thought it would be so exciting and so wonderful. I came in three days out of four. By the end of that third day, three days out of four, I was so fucking sick of this place. I mean... I went home. All I wanted to do was stand in a hot shower and really just lather up and get the smell of the store out of me. Welcome to the last two years of my tenure here at Alternate Realities where uh, we're running the magic tournaments and I'm screaming at children to, you know, hey, why don't you not throw stuff in the store? Or, hey, why don't you, uh, you know, shower before you show up? You know, we spoke about your time at the store and working here very generally, but I mean, specifically, are there, you know, stories or moments that, uh, you know, that really stand out? Um, the store that I always go back to is the, the Jeff Wong, uh, hot dog eating contest. It's July 4th. It's me, Steve and Bill Mayo. And, uh, you know, it's a slow day. No one's coming into the store. Everyone's at the beach or everyone's having a good time. It's July 4th. So, uh, you know, me and Bill are working behind the counter and we have, um, channel four on and channel four is showing the Nathan's hot dog eating contest. It's just background noise. Neither of us are watching it, but it's just background noise. Jeff Wong, the legendary Jeff Wong. God, God rest him. I love him. Uh, <laughs> well, he's we. Oh, actually, we really don't know what happened to him. In, in all honesty, our, our most legendary customer he hasn't been seen in in quite some time. That was my next question. Whatever happened to him? Whatever happened to Jeff Wong? I don't know. I mean, oh. I wish I could give you an answer. Um, we there's, could speculate. There's your next podcast. Yeah, we could. Well, yeah. I mean, we could speculate, but uh, we haven't seen him in in some time. Oh, that's scary. So, so Jeff Jeff Wong comes in. So Jeff Wong comes in and he sees. Uh, he sees the contest going on, and and in Jeff fashion, he God bless him. He has the. Uh, he thinks he can accomplish anything. He goes, oh, I could do that. Oh, 80 hot dogs, I can do that. I'm like, well, you know, Jeff, it's not, it's not as simple as it seems. No, I can do that. All right, Jeff, we're going to make you prove it. So uh, me and Bill pooled all our money together. We bought as many hot dogs and uh, hamburger buns as we could, and then we started cooking them in the microwave in the back. It's like, all right, Jeff, you know, if you get through however many uh, – you know, we'll buy all your comics this week for you. We'll 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 buy them for you. Oh, okay. He starts eating them one at a time, very slowly. He gets to number five, and just completely, you know, slows down. I think he gets as far as eight, and he goes, "Oh, I can't, I can't do this anymore." It's like, all right, yeah, you lost. Oh, I really don't feel good now. It's like, all right, well, go sit down. He lays down on the ground behind one of our glass counters out of view. And we're thinking it's a little weird. And then every once in a while, you just hear from the back, Oh, oh, you know, he's in real pain. And then the, the funny postscript to that story is uh, right afterwards, his friend, a buddy of his came over and polished off like 19 hot dogs Without even thinking about it. He goes, oh, these are good, man. Where'd you get these? And literally 19 of them. God love Jeff Wong. Just his, the man has the confidence of a god. You know, he can do anything he puts his mind to. I think it's his SWAT training. that uh, Special Forces Shut training. Up. We're not supposed to talk about that. Shut up, shut up. 
you know, it's so funny, Rich, for someone who 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 guards his own secrets so closely. Here you are, ready to expose the secrets of Jeff Wong. Best defense is a good offense. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I won't I won't probe too deeply because I, you know, it, it, that's fine. But I guess just going back to the mystery of Rich Roney, yeah, <laughs> I might not make it out of here. Um, but it's mysterious. I've always said that if you stopped coming in, you'd never know. I mean, we'd know you weren't coming in, but we, I mean, that would sort of be it. I mean, you, we have an address on file for you. We don't know if you actually live there. No one's ever been there. You don't have a landline in general. I mean, there's no home, you know, internet, cable, phone. I I looked you up on, on your company's uh, website. Nothing comes up. So it's one of those things where really all we know about you really comes from the fact that you have this friendship with Steve. If not for that, we would really know nothing. But if I may say this, not just friendship with Steve, but friendship with you guys. Oh, yeah, yeah, we know. We're all friends. Yeah, Jesus okay. Christ. Jesus Christ. The, Christ. The fucking friendship. All right, we get it. <laughs> I mean, we're not really that good of friends well, anyway. <laughs> God, I haven't seen you in five years, and I do. Yeah. I show up, you break my hand with a handshake. <laughs> no, my, seriously, though, in all seriousness, my next question. <laughs> is it fair to say that you've made lasting and meaningful friendships at the store? Yeah, I've been trying to say that for... <laughs> now you're just being a dick. <laughs> I know. I've been trying to say that for like an hour. <laughs> so any other uh, any other stories that, that come to mind? Jeff Wong related or, Jeff, or otherwise? Yeah, yeah honestly, I, and I'm racking my brain, it's been so long since I worked here that it, it's hard to, to come up with a story. It's one of those things where people tell a story, like, oh yeah, I do remember that. You know, I, I worked here when I was a teenager. And I'm 33 years old now, so it's, you know, watercolor memories, you know. I will say a story that overlaps between the two of you, but I don't think you fully realize it. Uh, after Matt had quit working here and moved on to other things, you you were still, I think, studying for your your uh, your degree yeah. in fire science and all that stuff. And, uh, Anthony, you were still in high school working here. And Steve had some idea like, oh, I'll just get, you know, like, I don't know. Like, <laughs> I know where this is going. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. I'll get Anthony to, uh, I'll just get him to bag and board and alphabetize all those things. And he really enjoys it. And Matt's head spun around like he was like out of the exorcist. What, are you fucking kidding me? Anthony hates that stuff. I appreciate you sticking up for me. Oh, you didn't like bagging and boarding comics that were never going to sell anyway? <laughs> you know, it wasn't so much the bagging and boarding that I minded. It was the fact that I had to price each of them. Usually, I know, I'm getting there, I know. <laughs> Rich, Rich is giving me hand signals <laughs> just to make sure that I... Uh... No, my, my empathy and sympathy, how you didn't shove a screwdriver through your ear. But so what I would have to... So we had to price all the books with, you know, with the actual price tag, usually not much more than a quarter above cover price. But the, the the real sticking point was we had to write, we, I, had to write the the, the we. title and issue number right above the price and then put a piece of tape over it. It was uh, quite the tedious task. Do you remember the time that Steve pulled his back on a Wednesday and was lying on the floor by the door right when we opened? Yes, yes, and trying my best not to laugh at <laughs> So this was a Wednesday. This was during the period where you and I worked together. At that point, I just worked the delivery, and then I went home when when you guys opened. But I I remember, I think when I left, Steve was upright. He was okay. And then I had forgotten to pick up, or I guess maybe changed my mind about getting uh, Justice Number 1, the Alex Ross series. And uh, I came back in, and (laughs) Steve's on the floor, and... He he still claims that I just walked right over him. For the record, I did ask if, if he needed help, but, you know, he responded the way you would probably expect him to, and so I stepped over him. Like, <laughs> mean like a courteous and kind of uh, retort? Yeah, of course. Yeah, okay. Uh, so I did then step over him, and uh, and I, I picked up the copy. But, uh, yeah, just that image of him laying on the floor on Wednesday, new comic book day, at opening. Uh, I wonder if he laid in the same spot that Jeff Wong did. Uh... Yeah, there are a number of, of uh, interesting spots in the store. There's a right to my right is the is where one of our customers' dog took a took a dump. Yeah, I didn't hear about that store until today. Yeah, you one of the things that you like to do, Rich, is you like to go to comic book conventions. And when you're there, I know you enjoy you know uh, viewing panels. I know that's a you know a great source of enjoyment. In addition to that, I know you like to pick up dollar books. Right. Um, uh, uh, yeah, and so you I, I take it from you, here. I think you just gave me the handoff. And, and this gets back to the great friendships I've made. So I, uh, whatever year, whatever year, it was 2004, 
I was hanging out in Jersey. Uh, Drew calls me and says, um, hey, have you taken any vacation time yet? I go, no, I haven't taken any time this year. Okay, you can go with us out to uh, you know San Diego for Comic-Con. And all of a sudden, I, I had to go. I couldn't. I didn't have anything else scheduled. I was, I was trapped with the guys. Not trapped. I was committed to going. But long story short, I do like to buy dollar books. For the longest time, I like dollar books. Read them. You know, not a big investment. So I went out there. I go to San Diego. I buy like eight books. So I come back. Steve goes nuts. He goes, you know how stupid you are? You went out there, you bought eight books? You know, with airfare, hotel, meals? You know what those eight books cost you? They probably cost you $85 a piece. And I turn to Brandon and I go, great. Now he understands unit cost. And Brandon just found that <laughs> extremely funny. <laughs> great. Now he gets, here, the rent, the utilities, the overhead doesn't connect. When is it my expense? Wait a minute, those are pretty expensive when you spread all the other costs. At one point in time, Steve, and that's why it doesn't surprise me that he's closing now. I mean, at one time, he was convinced, hey, I don't want to see any more young boys leave. And Wait, what? No, no, he, no, the, <laughs> no, 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 he, what? different, there were different workers that predated you guys. And he felt, I don't want to, you know, I don't want to see another generation of readers uh, leave. And I'm just going to still be here. So he decided to go back and work for the law firm. He worked for Brandon's father's law firm. As He spent a full year doing it. As he was doing it, now and then, Brandon and Tony and some of the others from the store would call him. And apparently at the law firm, when you got a call, they didn't, you know, you'd identify yourself and they'd broadcast over the speaker, you know, uh, Steve Odo, um, X person is on the phone. Well, they decided to use the names of comic book characters. <laughs> oh, oh, that's great. But apparently the receptionist mangled it, and they got a call one morning, and Mr. Odo, uh, yeah, Hal, Hal Gordon is on the phone. And Steve didn't know, Jesus, is there really a Hal Gordon? Or do they mean Hal Jordan? <laughs> uh, the other thing that was, this was funny, uh, one thing, time we came in here and Brandon decided to clean the back room and I don't know if the listeners are aware of this but everyone at the table is and many of the other close associates of the store Steve is a huge Mountain Dew fan so as Brandon and I were cleaning the back room we found like uh, one of those uh, Staples paper boxes full of the, uh, the you know the different popcorn styrofoam and there's about oh, oh boy there must be something very valuable in this box if there's Protected by popcorn. You're so right. There were like five Mountain Dew bottles. And Brandon just starts giggling and goes, hey, Steve, you want to get rid of this shit? And Steve goes, oh, those aren't my Mountain Dew bottles. And Brandon goes, who the hell do you think they are? <laughs> and you would have thought like um, you know, stuff from an Egyptian tomb. It was so carefully laid out such that you know the things were protected. Oh, those aren't mine. Who the hell do you think they are? So I can throw them out then. Well, you know, don't do not do that. Yes. Much has been asked about, oh, you know, what is Steve going to do next? And, and you know, we've we've addressed that. But, you know, for you guys in particular, you know, Matt, I know, you know, you're not around much right. anymore. I don't know how much the, you know, the closing of the store really, you know, would affect you on a on a day to day basis. But I mean, I guess just more generally, I mean, how, how do you feel about it closing? You know, it's not, I'm not glad. I'm not happy it's closing. I don't have uh, too many dealings with the store anymore but you know I, the significant portion of my childhood was spent here and i'm not happy to see it closed but at the end of the day you know steve is uh getting a little bit older he's, he's about the time for him to retire anyway so you know honestly for me uh what i would love for steve to do is you know he, he talks about how uh you know he wants to travel to walk the earth like kung fu and like and you know not for nothing i hope he does it i i, I want to see pictures of steve like in front of the, the temples at Machu Picchu. I want to see him doing that goofy thing that all the tourists do when they try to hold up the Leaning Tower of Pizza. Like, I want to see all those photos. I, you know, he deserves the retirement that he's got coming to him. That being said, I don't think that's going to happen. I think he's going to spend the next year or two just watching all the TV shows he hasn't been watching. But, you know, I hope he, I hope he does get to travel the world. So that'd be awesome for him. Yeah, yeah, I agree. I mean, you know, it's it's one of those things where he's, you know, for years spoken about how much of a burden 
the store is and, and how much it takes out of him and, and as you alluded to, you know, these other things that he, he would like to do. So now it's sort of like, all right, this this is your shot. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You got some money, you know, do your thing. Wow. A bunch of us. This has been the focal point and the connection point and the clubhouse and the social club for all of us. I'm convinced our friendships are going to uh, extend and transcend this. There's no doubt in my mind on that. I think it'll take a different form. You know, I'll probably, my ability to just come in here and goof off and kill time until I I go to lunch or go to dinner is going to be gone. And I'll probably just meet you guys at a restaurant. Um, Regrettably, I think it'll be more infrequent. It'll be less frequent than it is. But I think there's no doubt in my mind. I mean, I've been to people's weddings. uh, I've been to people's parents funerals they've come to mine i've traveled so i think all of our there's a there's probably about seven or eight of us for whom our friendships are gonna um just continue irrespective of uh this thing being closed in seven or eight weeks you know i I throw this question to you specifically because you know we spoke at the beginning of of this recording about the rich roni seat um, and, and the other phrase has always been Rich Roney brings in the crowds. I mean, I can, I can speak for myself when I say that if you're not coming in, um, I, I probably won't either. When you sent out the email about this podcast asking, you know, what day is good for everyone, I said, well, here's a good day for me. Oh, and if you could pair me with Rich Roney, that'd be awesome. So I love having the Roney seat for your podcast. <laughs> and listen, I echo that, uh, Separately, Anthony and I had a discussion, and, and I expressed it. So I said, is Matt doing it? When's he doing it? And I'll sync up with him. So it's mutual. It's mutual. And I thank both of you, because I think you guys have been a you know a fantastic combination. Um, but yeah, I mean, I, you know, again, we've always said Rich Roney brings in the crowds. And, you know, I can speak for myself when I say that, you know, if I know you're coming in, I'll, I'll make the effort to come in. And so I think, you know, not to put too much pressure on you, but I think, you know, to a certain extent, the continuation of, of the dinner's I think it will depend in, in, in good part on, on you. Maybe, maybe you can host a barbecue at your place for us. Wouldn't that be special? Yeah, I think I'll keep coming in. and we'll meet. <laughs> I'll meet you guys at Mickey's. We almost blew his cover up. <laughs> um, but, I mean, now you come in, I'd say, on average every other week, roughly. So do you think you would knock it down to once a month? I think the, the contact might be less frequent. But, you know, conceivably, hopefully it'll be a little bit more meaningful. Maybe we'll even get Matt Casey for an occasional guest appearance. Oh yeah, that'd be wonderful. Yeah, no, it's a, <laughs> no, I, I you know it's it literally. I think the, the distance is a thing for me because I live in South 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 Brooklyn. Personally, I don't spend nearly the amount of time at the store that I used to. I mean, I don't work here anymore on on any basis, and um, you know, again, even the time you know to just come in and hang out, it, it, it's really very minimal. And it's not out of, you know, a lack of, you know, interest or anything like that. And whenever we do get together, wherever we get together, it's always a great time. But in terms of the store being that destination, um, I can't say it's as powerful for me as, as it used to be. I, but it's still there a little bit. But it's still it's and still that, there, and, right. And, you know, as, as even though I haven't been here in a long time and I have my problems with Steve like I'm still not happy this place is closing so you know you're absolutely right the store as a uh, contact point or location you know in, in eight weeks that ain't going to be the case that's gone but um, and Matt I know that you've been immersed uh, in your life in Brooklyn I haven't kept in touch with you yeah, yeah unfortunately it works both ways I, I yeah. could have picked up the phone too well you know uh, but I will say one thing Anthony and I have done and this is Anthony's uh, introduced me to a number of TV shows I never would have watched otherwise. But we've gotten to the point where possibly once a week or every other week, I'll spend a good 45 minutes or an hour on the phone with you talking about anything, you know, whether it's TV shows, books, uh, movies. And, um, you know, some, some of those Sunday afternoons are just very satisfying. I think maybe the title of this episode should just be Friendship, Friends. Great friendships. And different eras. <laughs> and different, eras. different eras. Good friends. You know, I Good really... friends across different eras. <laughs> I will carry my good friends across different eras in a gunny sack. How do you top that? <laughs> I'm just reluctant. I'm reluctant to end because I feel like like as soon as the mics are off. Oh, the best, the best stuff's going to be. <laughs> um, even with all this, I think it's going to boil down to good editing. <laughs> You were going to say friendships? If I had 30 seconds <laughs> yeah. for, for a gunny sack, I'd edit it with my 
good eons errors. I think if you really had to still distill it down, it boils down to friendship and fun. <laughs> yes. Where have I heard that before? I'm getting that tattooed on my arm. <laughs> I mean, if if nothing else, I hope our listeners but, take away from this that we have formed some very yeah, great yes. friendships. But you know what? If you do have a tattoo on your arm, when you're carrying the gunny sack, it will obscure the tattoo. Yes, oh. yes, yes. On that note, gentlemen, um, you know, I thank you both very much for for taking part in this, Matt. It, you know, it was great to see. You. I hope that we, you know, maybe could see you a little try, bit more. I'm going to try to come out a little bit more often. Yeah. Um, and Rich, I mean, I think I speak for both of us when I say we we were honored to have the Rich Roney seat tonight, and uh, look forward to having the Rich Roney seat in the future. It's mutual. Thank here, you guys. Here, here. Thank you to everyone who listened to this episode. I hope you tune in for future ones, and don't be a flat squirrel. If I forget who I am, that you will bury me, that you will slaughter me, tear all my